to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown. Because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. It's Amber here, and I have my beautiful co-host. That's that's you chiming in. Jenna. (laughs) We're sharing a mic today, so excuse the delay. We have the beautiful (laughs) guest with us on today, Tamara Iglesias, talking to us on the power of play in parenting. Tamara, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. I I just have to give the audience a little background. It was complete divine orchestration that Tamara and I met. It was last weekend or the weekend after? But before? Two. Two two weekends ago. We were both at a Rye Parent Teacher Conference. Well, it was more so like uh, education slash parent Rye course mm-hmm. or seminar for, for, the, for the day. And um, I was sitting there and we were all a little bit late and I was saving a seat for a friend who just had canceled. She's like, I'm sick. I'm not going to make it. I'm like, oh, oops, I feel bad. I've, I've like been keeping this seat while everyone's running around looking for seats. And then I feel this beautiful, angelic creature walk towards me and say, is that seat taken? And I'm like, it is now. <laughs> And that's when destiny crossed our path <laughs> and everything changed from, from that point onwards. So I'm so glad that we met and that you're mm-hmm. here today and such a blessing when that, those kind of like strange happenings go down. Yeah. If it's strange, you know it's destined. <laughs> it's true. Before we dive deeper into today's episode, we are thrilled and so proud to announce that this week's sponsor is the very hippest vitamin brand around, Ritual. Ritual. Ritual's capsules have the nutrients that most of us don't get enough of from our food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Yes, we will tell you more about this hypnosis later, but for now, use the code MLF at checkout to get 10% off your first three months of essential nutrients at ritual.com slash MLF. Jenna, do you want to take us through tomorrow's bio? Yes, I do. So, uh, Tamara Iglesias is the founder of the conscious parenting coaching company, Welly Nest, dedicated to raising whole beings from the very beginning. Coaching mothers and fathers alike, Tamara helps empower families to live happy and nourished lives. Tamara's mission is to shift the way we raise our children by parenting from a place of respect, cultivating deep trust, and setting healthy boundaries. She has created a conscious parenting coaching program, helping her clients nurture their children by healing themselves first. Setting children up for healthy connections, relationships, and coping methods, her approach has helped hundreds of families. Her own struggle made her want to change the way we raise our children, and she is doing so every day. Speaking my language. So good. (laughs) Your mission is just a mission of my heart as well. Mm, Thank thank you for what you do. Yes. Thank you. I feel so honored to have been able to step onto this path and to be doing what I really feel I was put on this planet to do. So every day I feel grateful. Woohoo. And I can't wait to get into the story 
of how you discovered what your path was and how you left what wasn't truly your path and then moved on to your true purpose. So that's going to be an exciting story. Jenna, do you have a definition for the power of plain parenting? Uh Uh-huh. This is my stab at it. Okay, so my definition of the power of play in parenting. Peter Pan understood the magic of not growing up. When we transition from childhood to adulthood, we can become rigid and responsible, forgetting the parts of ourselves that are light, creative, and playful. Having children is a great way to be reminded of the power of play, and to use the power of play intentionally in parenthood can benefit both parents, both the parents and the children, bringing more joy, ease, and fun into everybody's experience. And Tamara, uh, you might have something to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I have so many things to add. I think play is, it's vital for children. It should never be looked upon as an add-on or an extra or an extracurricular activity. And I think this is actually a theme that should be weaved into all of our lives as we grow up. And yes, we may relate to the word play differently, but if play is not in our life from the beginning of time until the end of time, then we're missing a massive opportunity to be our best self and to be relating to the world and ourselves and others as optimally as possible. Play for children is where they learn, where they discover, where they develop their, you know, motor skills, where they process their emotions, where they process their day, where they role play their creativity and imagination. I mean, it is it is endless what play does for children. It gives them their own world to dive into. It gives them an environment and a platform to engage with other children their age, to engage with older and younger children, to engage with their parents. It's it's really endless. It's it's truly play is designed for children to learn and grow and process. And if they don't have that, imagine not having the learning and the growing and the processing. Does it freak you out when you look at the system of education and the standard system that's in place that segregates play and really has replaced that with structured formulas of academic activities and this and that activity, but play is actually put aside as mm-hmm. something that is for lunchtime, whatever it may yeah, be. Or what, what are your or recess? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, what what are your opinions around the system and how that's evolved away from allowing that play to be integrated into every part of our of our day? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that. The first is it's really sad that the first thing that's taken away from children when there is discipline and punishment in schools, which obviously I don't agree with, is normally recess, right? So here you have a child, a school-age child struggling with something, right? When a child's acting out, when you're seeing negative behavior, really what that child is saying is, I'm having a hard time and this is the way I'm able to communicate it to you. So if we further punish that child, not only not seeing their cry for help, we're not getting to the need. It's just like wellness and health. When we just put a Band-Aid on the symptom, it's not going to go away. When we dig down and get to the root cause, then the healing can happen. So that child... There's, there's a disconnect. There's a need not being met. They're not feeling seen, heard. They're struggling with something. And then if we punish them on top of that, what is that teaching them? 
and and then we're not even we're punishing them and then we're taking away the only opportunity they have to potentially process that especially if maybe they don't have a family that they can go to at home that are able to walk them through these difficult situations or walk them through their day at the end of the day or help them move a trauma into a memory and and process all the things going on in their world in their mind you know and that's just that's the adult school version age of things you know when we take away play with young children it leads to literally this school-aged child that then struggles even more. So it's kind of cumulative. You know, the less that's, that is there, the less opportunity a child has to develop these skills that they really need in life. So well stated. I agree. And do you think that there's any um, issue around the less play that children are allowed to have, the less they're able to express their authentic imaginative spiritual selves in a way and that gets replaced with the linear mind the ego the the right hemisphere mm-hmm. kind of activities yeah so that's course. conditioning us towards a certain way to be in adulthood and in our lives yeah and look at look at the adults thriving in the creative world, right? Don't get me wrong. I think whatever path you go down is your path, right? Divine timing, all of that. However, the value of creativity and creating something on your own and trusting your own imagination and where that can take you and your own creativity and where that can take you. And when you don't have play, when you don't have an environment that nurtures your own time to be in imagination, to be in this creative thought and play and process and have this freedom of thought, but also freedom of initiation, freedom of leadership, freedom of drive. When you're constantly being taught one way, a certain way, it's someone else's way of doing it, someone else's way of thinking, someone else's way of generating that idea, which may not be that individual or that child's way. And don't get me wrong. I know a lot of us have to adapt to the, the education systems that are out there, but if we're not creating any cultivation of a child trusting their instincts, their creativity, their ideas, their visions, their plans, their conflict resolution, all of these things, that is them coming back to trusting their gut, their truth, their knowing, which that is one of the greatest tools out there. How many people struggle with indecision, you know, second guessing themselves, having a gut reaction, but then getting caught up in our mind and our thought process on our programming from years and years of schooling or being told that something's right and something's wrong. I don't even believe in the concept of right and wrong. I believe that we can take ideas and expand them and mold them and move with them instead of these like really linear, strict, good, bad, right, wrong, yes, no. So all of that is limiting. And I believe we come into this world limitless, you know, limitless beings. Mm -hmm. And when we can cultivate that, the expansion, the creativity, and the thought process that that creates in a child will be one of the greatest gifts they take into adulthood and beyond. Oh, my gosh. That we are on the exact same page and we have big theories around a lot of the time as adults we spend our whole adulthood trying to undo Mm -hmm. the programs put upon ourselves and Mm -hmm. the inauthenticities that we we are taught to adapt to and it's really coming back to that space of full authenticity bio-individuality knowing yourself trusting yourself and letting your intuition and own individuality 
lead the way regardless of what the systems are doing and the parents are telling you to do. And you're right, it makes for a completely different adult in the world doing something completely different that they probably would be doing Mm -hmm. if they just blindly followed the mold of society. And it's interesting because my husband and always tells me the reason I chose you, one of the reasons, sorry, I chose you (laughs) is because you pull the play out of me. You Mm. pull the childlike, Mm. free, spontaneous out of me. Mm -hmm. And without that, I feel dead inside. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people who have adapted to the systems of being responsible, and it's a very masculine trait, Mm -hmm. going out there and ticking all the boxes to get the money, to pay the mortgage, to look after the family, whatever it may be, are a lot of the time doing that at a by sacrificing their sense of wanting to be fully expressive and mm-hmm. playful and creative mm-hmm. and it's it's cre- it's breeding this generation of people who are kind of like the walking dead in a way or feel weighted down and depressed and I know my husband struggles with not being able to play mm-hmm. in his everyday I completely agree. And I also think that here at MLF, you know, we're all about the raising revolutionaries, right? Raising Mm -hmm. the children that are going to bring the new paradigm. And I think this is so crucial in that because Mm -hmm. um, just to break free from the old structures and to raise these children right from the beginning to have trust in their gut and to have um, trust in their own creativity and their own power of imagination, that Mm -hmm. is so crucial to bringing the new paradigm that it's, you know, we should highlight it up on the marquee or something. Yeah. And all of this is also um, embracing and honoring the being essence of our children. I think the doing of life is easier to learn when you're older, right? But the being of who you are, these like deep uh, seated belief systems of how you operate are going to have such a bigger effect on your life long term than if you can do this and you can do that, there's so many things children can learn in such a short space of time that they get older, but the unlearning process takes so much longer. So if we could be focusing on the, how do I cultivate the being essence of my child versus focusing and rewarding and praising the doing essence of my child, I will set them up for success in such a different way that the doing will come easy once the being is so sweetly ingrained in 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 how they operate and how they relate to themselves and their world. And I mean, we were just chatting a moment ago about a belief system. I was chatting, oh, you know, working too hard and unraveling that and something I got from my mother. I mean, these are deep-seated belief systems. I don't know too many people that are like, man, I just play too much and I have too much fun and I create too much and I just can't stop. (laughs) I have had phases of like, I just can't stop playing. But that was way before adulthood. You know, the the seriousness of the career, the the children, the whatever it may be. Mm Mm-hmm. But everyone needs those those parts of play. And I love your concept of that shouldn't have to stop mm-hmm. just because you're an adult yeah. or you're a parent. It shouldn't have to stop. And I really invite our listeners during this episode to not only think about applying these um, perspectives and exercises and concepts with your children, but think about applying them to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are also children in need of that space to express ourselves and play just mm-hmm 
a little bit bigger and a little bit more wrinkly. So (laughs) it just, it still applies to you. You know, and because most of us did not grow up at at an adult age, did not grow up um, with parents who really understood this, most of us were conditioned, right? Mm -hmm. So it's for us to reparent ourselves, you Mm -hmm. know, like you were saying, to really apply this to ourselves and to go back to that inner child and say, it is okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to trust your gut. It's okay Mm -hmm. to play. It's okay to be imaginative and go towards what you truly desire. Yeah. I know that you're doing that right now, Jenna. I am so in that right now. This is very topical for for my (laughs) experience right now. Totally. And this is so this whole idea of conscious parenting coaching that I do is all about the reprogramming, the reparenting and the healing of ourselves. Right. And so this is a piece of it. Right. We can't honor our child's emotions if we haven't healed the deep wounds within us. We can't honor our child's play if we haven't nourished and held and cradled and cuddled our inner child and let her dance and let her sing and let her explore or let him run or whatever that is, right? Everything, this process of parenting is, it's a healing journey. That's what it is, Mm -hmm. right? And if our child is playing too much or we, we think they're not doing enough, bring it back to us. Mm -hmm. Why do I think my child needs that? What is it triggering in me? What can I do so that I can (laughs) sit and honor and observe my child in play and see the magic of it? What is preventing me? Where is my block in that? And we can take that to everything. If you can't let your child fall apart in front of you and have all of their feelings, what in you is not okay with that? If you can't let your child be different and, and maybe do things differently and not speak in the way that you... Like what in you is getting triggered by that? So everything that we don't have space for is an opportunity to look within so we can expand without. And I completely 100% agree with that, uh, you know, without any hesitation. But I also just want to say that like sometimes we might let our kids um, do the things that we didn't want to do, but that doesn't mean that we still don't need to be healed. You know, Mm -hmm. like for me, like I, for example, like singing is an example in my life where I need my inner child, I need to go back to reparent myself and say, it's okay to sing, you know, Mm -hmm. because I was told it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I find it easy to tell my children that it's okay to sing. It doesn't trigger me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I still don't have something to heal heal within myself, you know? Yeah. And more so that's probably a, what, when you were told you couldn't sing, Mm -hmm. right? What belief system did that create in you? So it wasn't really the blockage that you couldn't sing. What deeper was it? You can't make money in doing creative things. You have to be focused and serious to uh, be in your joy or whatever that belief system. So where could that then potentially play out in a different way with your children? That's a good point. So when we come back to that, then we're like, okay, how is this going to play out? Because if it's something you love, then it's probably, yeah, it's probably easier to give our child like, oh my God, I love that. And I wish I could do that. But where else where maybe we're uncomfortable that that pattern, that negative belief system then plays out in something different. And to have that mindfulness is amazing. And just to that point, I think that for me where it could play out, just kind of searching myself as you're speaking, is I think the deeper thing where not singing was imposed upon me is around um, not bothering anybody, not putting yourself out there, not, um, you know, uh, 
definitely not performing in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, and also not bothering people. And so I find myself sometimes editing my kids sometimes because I don't want them to bother people. Mm-hmm. I'm exactly. like, I don't want you to annoy them or bother them or anything like that. So that yes. could be what you're talking about. So essentially also in that it's, you're putting the expectations of needs and the perception of others on you and your children first, which so many people do. This is a big thing in my work that we focus on is that sometimes we are parenting from a place of not wanting to disrupt other people. And then our children's emotions, feelings, experience come second, you know? And I think I'm guilty of that because that was so conditioned into me, mm-hmm. like so conditioned. You yeah. Know? I mean, there's some, right. Children aren't loud. Children shouldn't disrupt. Children shouldn't, blow, you know, all these like massive general themes mm-hmm. versus how can we exist in a society of instead of staring down a mother who's dealing with a child crying in pain, like how can we offer support? And if th- that's not there, right? One of the big things I, I give my parents is like tools to handle that situation where you're honoring your child, but also removing them from the situation because we can't control the behaviors and the energy of other people around us, but we can protect our children from that energy by consciously, respectfully removing them from the situation so we can honor them. So forgetting about everyone else around us, but also removing them just so they're not getting the negative energy of everyone around us, not removing them to make their world like other people's world better, but to make sure our children are okay. So yes, we're we're still taking them out of the situation, but we're doing it because we're honoring our children and we're limiting that negative energy dropping down into them or onto them. Parenthood is just the ultimate arena for our own personal evolution if we're up for it and if yeah. you're able to apply this lens. Mm-hmm. And I just have to say, it can be extremely confronting. Mm-hmm. Sure, these are brilliant concepts for people to apply, but don't get hard on yourself if you're struggling with it and it's confronting because I know that, I mean, everything we're talking about, this kind of realization was mm-hmm. what led Jenna and I to birth this podcast. Mm-hmm. We we kind of came to the conclusion that messed up people uh, create messed up kids, which mm-hmm. creates a messed up world. And mm-hmm. if we wanted to contribute in any profound way to a great environment and systems and humanity, we have to first get rid of our programs that are mm-hmm. preventing us from seeing how we're showing up mm-hmm. and what example we're being for our kids. Mm-hmm. And then we have to know how to separate that, work on that and be there for our children in a way which they're connected to themselves, the earth and being their authentic self. Yeah. I just have to say like a little story with how confronting that is. Valentine, my son, he, um, it's so interesting because I also believe our children choose us and we believe it's a soul contract and they're also our greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. We know that for sure. <laughs> Everyone's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, a lot of the time you get a little creature that's quite opposite to you, which is going to call your, um, call you towards healing those things in yourself so you're not inflicting your brokenness or blockages onto them. Just to interject, even if they're exactly like you, that's also a call to heal yourself. <laughs> well, oh, that, that's exactly. also right. confronting. <laughs> mirroring the same that's or mirror, mirroring the opposite. True. There are triggers everywhere, booby traps, like left, right, and center. You're going to get exploded <laughs> at yeah, some point. Totally. But because I'm very um, socially savvy and I'm a, a double Leo, I love social situations. 
emotions and I know how to read the subtleties of energetics and create this balance and harmony in subtle social energetic um, scenarios. Valentine, obviously, he is four, so he can pick up on all of the energies, but he doesn't, he's still learning about what's appropriate and not in regards to social etiquette, let's say, which I'd be interested to know your takes as well on where the boundaries are of setting boundaries towards this is appropriate and this isn't, Mm. but without curbing their true authentic feelings around that and expressions around Mm. those feelings. Or shaming them. Or shaming them around it. Exactly. So I had a big struggle around being very aware of social energetics and wanting to keep everything like cool and him being a major disturber <laughs> of the force in that arena. And we would we go on these big um, family vacations with about six other families once a year, mo- most years. And everyone has kids now. So it's usually everyone has their kids and they're running around and it's fun and the adults get to be with each other. And I remember one year in particular, Valentine, this is before I discovered he had intense sensory um, systems. And I remember him being the person in that group that was just unable to cooperate, was crying about everything, just had attitude towards everyone. And I knew I was battling between like doing what's best for him and sitting down with him and removing him from the triggers and things that are just too overwhelming and really talking, taking the time to talk through it with him. I was I was torn between that and also my own massive triggers of it upsetting the, the, the group dynamics. And so I found myself kind of removing himself from removing him from the group dynamics and shaming him in a way like you don't behave like that. That's not okay. Apologize to that person in front of everyone. Say hello to everyone. When you come in the room, don't just give this attitude. I felt very, um, embarrassed for myself, for the way he was acting, which was also for me thinking, I was also thinking I'm more committed to being um, his guide and helping him than I am to these adults experience. But I could feel the judgment Mm -hmm. coming from this larger group of people. Mm -hmm. And so it was a moment in my kind of motherhood career when I really sat down and I thought, I have to put my own stuff aside, no matter how confronting it is to feel like I'm disturbing the group or I'm being judged as being a loose parent or whatever it may be. I have to put that aside and sit down. My priority is my child and, and allow him space to express what he's feeling and try decode Mm. what is going on for him. Mm. And it was after that trip that I actually discovered his sensory processing disorder, which you know, heightens his sensory systems and it all made sense. Mm -hmm. And then that gave me a gateway to know how to communicate with him and when to pull him away because too many people and too many things are too overloading for his system. So I'm just saying like it can be confronting for us to face ourselves in the triggers our, our kids bring up, but it's, I think it should be the priority rather than our own, like protecting our own, um, insecurities almost or programmings. Yeah. I mean, one thing you just shared, um, 
was when you were feeling the energy and all of that, a lot of time it's it's our work to face that and filter that because our children initially aren't feeling that. And if then we allow that to come through them, through us, through our judgments, through our insecurities, it's really a disservice to them versus it always comes down to when a child is acting out, it is a sign that they need help. And if we are asking them to do something on top of it when they probably already need to reconnect with us. So I always say reconnect before request. You know, if a child's hurting, then we just ask them to do another thing and another thing. It's just, we're just creating that space between us and our child more and more and more and more. And then that, that life preserver, that lifeline is getting further and further away. And then we finally go to reach out to help our child. They're so far away. And now we're having to bring them in from such a further space versus as soon as we start to see them unraveling, it, how can we help them? When I see a, a conflict and say I see one child hitting the other, the first thing I think in in my mama coaching soul is, wow, that child needs help. You know, instead of labeling victim and villain, you know, I go and I see that child differently and I want to help that child first because to me, they're struggling more. So in the, the situation that you just shared, I would have, wow, Valentine's really having a hard time how can I show up? And that's some big mama triggers for us. I mean, last year, my daughter still after her second year of preschool wouldn't walk up onto the preschool stage at the, at the end of the year. And she needed me to hold her and carry her and walk up there. And if I cared what all those other parents thought with all the other younger kids, and I was the only parent up there holding my child, it would have been a disservice to my child. She needed me. She wanted that experience and she needed me by her side. And if I went off the judgments of everyone else in the room, I would have robbed her of that. And I also would have you know, sent her the message that I don't have your back and I care about what all these other people think more. I think also the gateway to what you're talking about is they labeled it really well in the right parenting course we went to, which is the red zone and then Mm -hmm. needing to come back to the green zone. Mm -hmm. Because I was so deeply triggered, I was in the red zone. Mm -hmm. I was so embarrassed and so confused as to why he was behaving like this that I couldn't bring, I needed to bring myself down to the green zone Mm -hmm. before I tried to manage the situation and talk um, Mm -hmm. it through with him. And same with children, when they're in the red zone and they're freaking out, there's no point in talking about concepts with them. You need to empathize, bring them down to Mm -hmm. that compassionate place where I see you your feelings are validated. I mm-hmm. hear you. I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And once they just calm down emotionally to the green zone, that's when their brain is available to actually digest the concepts yeah. that you yeah. need to discuss with them to move past totally. that and learn it's, from it's it. It's nervous system mm-hmm. and brain and mm-hmm. energy. And Rye is all about the respectful parenting. By the way, it was the Rye um, annual conference. Annual so everyone conference. comes together. Not a course. It was a conference where we nice. all come together and take, you know, hear different speakers. And But that's such a big piece of what's coming into, into um, parenting is the science behind it all, the science of our children's body, the science of the way the nervous system develops, the science of the way the brain develops. And so we we bring in the spiritual side, we bring in the ancestral side, we bring in the belief systems through the neuropathways, we bring in the um, 
you know, all the emotional um, aspects of, and physical of the nervous system and the expression of that. And then we bring in the conscious parenting and then all of these moving together, we start to relate in a way to our children that is really respectful um, and, and honoring of, of their experience. Talking about health from the inside out is a perfect way to introduce today's sponsor, Ritual Vitamins. From D3 to omega-3, Ritual's Essential for Women helps fill in all the gaps in our diet and is delivered to your door for a dollar a day. Best dollar you ever spent. And their non-nausea capsule design is gentle on any empty stomach with no fishy aftertaste, common with most omega-3s, perfect for the preggy mamas like me and the non-preggies. And for like obsessive, me. Exactly, like you, yin and yang. For the obsessive label readers like both of us, all of Ritual's vitamins are vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. And their sources are out there for the whole world to see. Nothing to hide there. It's huge. Two easy-to-take ritual multivitamin capsules can provide the nine nutrients that we need to support a strong foundation for our health. It's a win-win sitch. Go to ritual.com slash MLF or use a discount code MLF to get 10% off your first three months of superior vitamin delivery. And now back to the show. I just want to say that you are making so much sense. It's just incredible. And I'm finding myself curious as to like, how did you get this smart? Like, can you, <laughs> can you tell us like your story and how you got from, you know, to, to learn all of this? Yeah. Um, it's not the most traditional, uh, Love it. pathway. You're in as- healing journey perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, it's, yeah, I, you know, and I was just sharing this the other day. I didn't, I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to be a conscious parenting. How do I learn to get there? Um, this was kind of, um, many years of surrendering and listening and healing and throwing my arms up to wanting to be of service in the most powerful way possible. So my journey began many, many years ago. And I think I always share that the beginning of my becoming a conscious parenting coach was the awakening of my own spiritual journey at 19. So it was a series of me hitting my rock bottom and kind of choosing life and choosing to heal and and also just being really different. I've been different my whole life. I feel like I was one of these like rainbow babies and, and spirit babies and it wasn't cultivated, right? So I'm finally like finding my people and my purpose and my passion and my calling because my career was on Wall Street years ago. And then while on Wall Street, I had a really big passion for health and wellness. And so I started getting certified and, and all of that. And what led me to this was, you know, Wall Street, then to starting my health coaching company, you know, 11 years ago or whatever it was now. And that, that was the beginning of my coaching journey, right, where I was working with people. And then my coaching evolved to like prenatal coaching and whole life wellness and, and relationship coaching and all this stuff. But the conscious parenting really birthed when I birthed my daughter. And I was in that process of um, figuring out how I wanted to parent my child, which I actually wish I had thought about preconception, right? And that is my wish for all families. But of course, my girl was a surprise that I forgot I was having. Um, We have so much in common. (laughs) It's crazy. And um, so I was going through the birthing journey, and I think there's so much opportunity for the parenting 
uh, education and intention journey during that birth journey. Um, but when I had her and I started looking for resources, I couldn't find anything that resonated with how I wanted to parent her. And that's when I first saw that disconnect between the conscious community and how even the conscious community wasn't consciously raising their children because we were all working with this same programming. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I got introduced to Rye and I went through, you know, the classes and the training with my girls for years. And honestly, it's just been this personal, um, creation of this, philosophy and many, many downloads. And it's kind of my thing. This is just why I'm here. This is what the universe wanted me to be doing. And it's parenting has been the easiest thing that ever came to me. And sometimes I don't like sharing that because it's such a difficult journey for so many others. And I just want to share, I've had the difficult journeys in so many other ways, but this is this is my thing. And I've been bringing in, you know, the science and the whole life wellness piece and, and the rye piece and the, the conscious and all of this together has created the philosophy that I work with today with my clients. Well, it certainly rings true. I think you're spot on with everything that you're saying. And mm-hmm. it's going to continue to evolve as you move through the different phases with your own child and your mm-hmm. own life phases. It's all going to continue to be refined and evolve. It's it's an exciting journey. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. I'm interested to know your personal opinion on what conscious parenting is because it's a bit of a buzzword that's been thrown around recently, especially mm-hmm. here in LA, and people have different ideas of what context that is referring to in regards to parenting. So what is your personal definition of conscious parenting? Yeah, so I think it's a many pronged definition. The first is um, an awareness of self in relationship to your child and the awareness that your child is whole and separate and limitless. Um, That is one piece. And if we look at parenting as an opportunity to grow versus a responsibility to teach, We will have a very different relationship with our child. But what conscious parenting really is as a whole is way more than just the parent-child relationship. It is, are you whole yourself? Are you taking care of yourself? Do you know how to relate to yourself? Are you in the habit of practices of self-care, which lead to the relationship of self-love with yourself? Because you know, as cliche as it is, we really can't fully parent from a non-judgmental place until we love ourselves and um, have done the work on ourselves. So um, that is one really big piece, coming to the table as whole as possible, knowing that we're going to evolve and heal. And I mean, I'm still evolving and healing, and this is what I do for a living, right? And um, if I ever stopped learning, stopped evolving, stopped healing, I wouldn't be good at what I was doing. So that's one big piece. The other piece is the awareness, the willingness to be aware of the cycles of guilt and shame that we have weaved into parenthood for decades. Um, And just facing that is a really important piece to being able to come to the table as a conscious parent. And then the other is a drive 
to want to focus on some of the main pillars of what conscious parenting is, which is cultivating respect with your child, cultivating trust with your child, cultivating a voice in your child, with your child, the empowerment of them as separate, right? Um, And then attention and presence. This is one of the most empowering pieces of conscious parenting is love through attention, presence, um, and everything that comes with that. You know, we can say we love our children and we can, they can verbally hear it, but if we're not following it up with um, love through attention, love through quality time, love through presence, love through active listening, love through our energetic showing up to our children with no agenda and letting whatever unravels in the, in the moment be. So conscious parenting is a really big definition. And I think putting it into one thing would be limiting what it truly is because I think it's one of the the greatest healing opportunities we have not only to heal ourselves, but to to shift the the future of our, our people and our planet. It's what we're all about. Yeah. I want to bring you back to play for a second. What are some activities or approaches you use with your own daughter, for example, mm-hmm. to support that sense of authentic expression mm-hmm. and imagination uh, through play? Yeah. So I did this with my girl, of course, but it's all also something I work with, with all of my families. And, and it's also never too late. You know, this is one of my tools, you know, when I struggles, uh, when a child is struggling or they're having a hard time at preschool or they're having a hard time at school, so often it's brought back to play. Um, and so if it wasn't cultivated in the infant months and the toddler years where play begins, I mean, as soon as they come out, right, play is as simple as giving your child space to explore the light on their hand as it moves or the breeze as it touches their skin or the the, the way that the light shines through the window and creates a rainbow on the floor. All of that is play. So one of the biggest pieces of play is the opportunity and time for play. And where we get that is through not interrupting our children. So how do we cultivate extended periods of time where our child gets to be on their own in experience with their simple, open-ended, you know, non-battery operated toys that they get to bring to life. So the more that we let the child bring the play to life versus bringing the play to them, entertaining them, being the source of their play, being the, the leader of their play, those are all things that will disrupt play, that will limit play, that will make us the leader of play. And if we're the leader of play, One, that's way more work as a parent. And me as a single mama, I am so glad I cultivated play because if I had to play with my daughter all day long and support us and run a business, it wouldn't be possible. And my daughter now at five and a half, I mean, just a month ago, I think there was six hours of play for her, independent play in our house on a Saturday when I had a lot of things to get done. And what a godsend. It's it's also how she now processes her world. She'll get up some days and sometimes the first thing she says to me is, mom, can I go play? And off she goes. And she goes off in the morning. And you know what that brought to me? An extra hour of sleep. So many years in the makings because of that, right? And when she gets home from school, guess what she wants to do? 
go off and play on her own. Guess what she's doing? Processing her day, processing maybe a hard time, processing maybe being left out of play at school, processing someone say, saying something that was hard, seeing someone do something for the first time and wanting to try it, you know, in her own time, in her own way at home in a safe space. This is what play is, right? It um, cultivates creativity, imagination, attention span, uh, confidence, independence, um, self-drive, determination, uh, moving through frustration, right? When a child is working with a new object and they're trying to figure something out, if we come in and we save them and we do it for them because we don't want to see them upset, we've robbed them of the opportunity to relate to frustration, to relate to anger, to relate to that and move past it and figure out what their tools are to move through it. So such a fundamental rye principle. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. such a cornerstone of encouraging autonomy and the genius behind play, their problem solving skills are developing this, you know, major brain development going on in that. Yeah. So I have a question I feel like people are going to want to ask. So I'm just going to ask it. Um, What if your child is not, I, I just, you know, it's amazing to hear that your, your child will play for six hours on their own, but I feel like maybe that could be a, like a little bit specific to your individual child, because I know I have two kids, right. And one of them is very able to play on their own without any problem. The other one is very attached Mm -hmm. to mama and Mm -hmm. would not just play on their own for that long without, you know, coming and needing affirmation and needing interaction. So what would you say? Was there some way that you got your daughter up to that? or Oh, totally. This you- was something I cultivated mm-hmm. since she was five months old. Mm-hmm. So this is not like, oh, I've been doing these conscious parenting things and now she just plays six hours. And mind you, that was like, I had to ask her, like, I'm doing these things. You know, I need you to play. And she was able to, right? Um, I would say she plays around between 12 and 18 months was when I started to get to about nine, 60 to 90 minutes of independent play with her. Um, and there's check-in and I was there and this is something I was cultivating with her. So taking it all the way back, the first piece is setting them up very early on at a, as an infant in an environment that begins to cultivate this play. So what we, how we do that is um, not having them kind of uh, maybe in jumpers or being entertained the whole time. We lay our child on the floor. We give them very few simple open-ended toys that they can bring to life. And we don't interrupt them. You know, we get so excited about things <laughs> that we'll see our child do something and we'll clap or we'll interrupt or we'll say good job. And, you know, all I don't believe in good job and interrupting and clapping and and coming in and being bigger, right? We're always going to be bigger until our children have gone through puberty and, you know, my girl's going to be taller than me. And But right now we're bigger. So anything I do, we have to be so mindful of. And this was one of the hardest things for me was how do I tone myself down? Because I'm a big personality. I have a lot of energy and life and I'm pitta and I'm fire and energy. And I had to um, slow myself down. So, and our children, especially our firstborn, right? They're just fascinating to us. And everything Scarlett did was magic. And I had to restrain myself. And it was so hard not to like laugh or clap or have a big smile, but to like, um, to shrink down my responses to a way that sensitized our interaction where I could give her this gentle smile 
and she felt acknowledged and she felt seen. And that helped with the continuation of her play instead of interrupting it. So if we are interrupting our child to take a picture because they just did something amazing or, you know, we put a headband on them and we want them to like smile, like all of these things are interrupting them, right? So this is a very sensitive um, cultivation of their sacred play space and what that looks like. And I, I like saying creating a yes space, right? A, a safe space that can grow with them as they grow. So at five months, she was on a little blanket with just like two things on either side of her. And then as she grew, the space grew. And then I got gates and then I grew the gates. And eventually at um, 18 months old, she had like almost the whole living room, right? Gated off. And that was her yes space. And that's where she wanted to explore. And children don't need huge rooms to begin with. They don't even want huge rooms, right? They just came from the womb. They came from this cozy little, you know, pocket of wonder. And now we just want to slowly expand this pocket of wonder, right? For them to play. So your question is very layered, right? And and what I'm sharing and what I works for my girl is not every child, right? Every client I work with, I'm giving them a different protocol to cultivate play with their child, right? And that comes also through op- observation, right? We have to observe our children to meet them. So instead of having expectations and assuming they're going to be one way because of the way we are, if we can sit in stillness, sit in observation to see what's engaging our child's interest, the direction that they're going so that we can constantly be reevaluating and meeting them where they're at. That will help with the, the, the cultivation of their ideal play world that we can help co-create for them. Great. And so I would imagine, um, cause I was going to ask like, what if you're child is older, like you didn't get into this concept until your child was not no longer a baby. Yeah. So then it's sort of what you kind of said at the end, which was meet them where they are, mm-hmm. figure out their interests, allow their play space to grow around that and kind of meet them where they're at. Yeah. And some of these same um, 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 philosophies and processes will work, right? Um it's the same thing. If you never say you're start, you know, say your child's four and you never did that and you played with them your whole life, it's never too late. I say this work, it's never too early to start and start thinking what's our parenting intentions and our whys. And it's never too late. I, I've shared a, a many, many times that I've worked with uh, a mom with a 19 and 21 year old and shifted her relationship to her daughters in this same dynamic. But with teenage girls, right? And we're also cycling through the toddler years at teenage years and we see a lot of those cycles. So say you have a four-year-old, you start slow, right? And you, if we go in with the expectation of, I want my child playing for an hour on their own in a week, that's not realistic, right? But if we can snag ourselves 10 minutes here, you know, 11 minutes there, 15 minutes, and we see, we see what they're into. Mm -hmm. And then we, we slow down, we get quiet, we don't interrupt them, we, we see what they're playing with, we give them more space and time, and, and then we work from there, and then it becomes a very individu- indiv- individualistic experience and relationship, but we can a- absolutely instill I, this at any time. Yeah, I only look cottoned on to Rye um, round probably about Valentine was about two, two and a half, three. And I realized that without knowing it, 
when he was a baby up until that point, I was completely involved in his space and carrying him when he wanted me to pick him up and, you know, helping him reach for something, I would push it towards him. And I had no idea that I was inhibiting his opportunity to learn and to grow and to trust being in his own space and to utilize his own space in a way where he's developing his brain and his skills. And so at the age of around three, I started applying these rye philosophies and he wouldn't play by himself. He needed me with him at all times. And I could see how I had actually disabled him to feel confident Mm -hmm. that he could play by himself for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And so once I started just allowing him that space, letting him feel I'm just around the corner, but, and I I would help him set things up, set up stations. So it would be led by him and say, what are you into? Like, what do you Mm -hmm. want to play with Mm -hmm. art or this or that? He'll say, oh, I feel like building blocks today. I'm like, okay, set up the building blocks. And I say, I'm going to be right there in my room and you create whatever you want. And so now, and he would come in every 10 minutes and want me to help him or mm-hmm. show me something. But each time I would, I, and I made it a ritual and I would do it every single day after school. And he knew that that was happening and also in the mornings. And now he goes for an hour or so by himself. I mean, nowhere near six hours yet, but <laughs> I've only like. Oh man, I set a really high expectation. That is <laughs> not our norm. Time. That was like, I needed to get totally. so much done. But you can start this at any time mm-hmm. in your parenting career and mm-hmm. they're so adaptable. And I think it's just a matter of not interrupting and allowing them the space to be confident, grow skills in those areas. Yeah. And I learned early on, you know, you can do your hum- your child's human design. You can do all of these things. I knew my girl was going to need sacred alone time and space to be able to optimally Um, exist in her world just through a lot of the things that I read about her and knew about her and felt about her. And so this was something that was so important to me. Not to mention, you know, I'm a single mama and she's an only child right now. So this is such a big part of her world, you know? I mean, I think she'd be an incredible older sibling. I think you'd be an incredible mom to another kid. (laughs) Hopefully one day. (laughs) We'll see. Wow. Brilliant. All of this, just medicine for my soul to hear all of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure for our audience, it's been such a beautiful insight and such a deep perspective on the possibilities of parenting and your own Mm -hmm. healing and evolution and Mm -hmm. opening up this, this arena for your children to just be the best most whole healthy versions of themselves. So thank you so much, Tamara. Thank you so much for being with us today. Of course. I know everyone is going to be asking how to get a hold of you, how to follow you, what courses you're doing. So why don't you fill us in with everything you're up to where people can get involved? Yeah. So uh, my company is Welly Nest, W-E-L-L-Y. Nest, Welliness. You can find me on my website. I'm on Instagram. Um, I teach workshops around Los Angeles and um, I work privately with all my clients here, but also virtually across the country and globe, actually. And I have a virtual conscious parenting group coaching program that I offer, which is a really um, amazing modality to get introduced to this work and dive deep into it. And currently, it's still me live facilitating 
facilitating everything. So you get to work with me um, in person in that group setting and also have the support of all the other parents. And that's so nurturing. I think one thing that's really missing in this kind of motherhood, parenting, fatherhood journey is community. There's so much isolation. There's so much separate. And this really brings people together. And the beauty of this is normally something that one parent is struggling with, other parents are struggling with, one mama is struggling with, another mama is a papa, and so on and so forth. So um, right now, those are some of the many ways that you can find me and and work with me. And um, I make myself as available as I can um, to my clients and but also myself and my daughter. So it's a beautiful um, mix and dance. And yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) And at the end of every episode, we always offer our listeners an invitation, something that they can try on in the realm of what we've been discussing. So I know that you're going to offer a a beautiful one if I give, if you'll step up to the challenge, if I invite you to offer the invitation, right? Oh, or do you want something me to, do it? to do? Yeah, for yeah, yeah. So offer our listeners something that they can try on with their with themselves mm. around play or conscious parenting or with their their children. Yeah. So let's let's bring it to play. Let's bring it to slowing down. Let's bring it to awareness. So it's just um, my invitation is to bring this level of awareness every day. So I guarantee if we slow down and if each of you out there takes a moment or as many moments as you can throughout the day to see when our child is engaged, to see when their mind is occupied in their imagination or see when their world is is going somewhere. And if we can see that and catch that and then in ourselves, go through the process of all the ways that we maybe wanted to say something to them or maybe wanted to interrupt them. Where can we stop ourselves? Where can we take a breath and slow down and be in that practice of when we see our child in their world or beginning to take a step to that world? What can we do to take a step back to help them take a step forward? So it's this dance of them moving deeper into their play and us moving out of their play. And so that would be my invitation (coughs) since this is all about play is creating the, seeing the space and then allowing the space to grow and catching ourselves. And then when we're about to interrupt them, even if it's just for dinner, say, asking ourselves, would it be awful if dinner was 10 minutes later and allowed my child 10 minutes more of play? So being in that conversation, that weighing, that value of how important is this? And is this my ego needing to control, needing to be on schedule, which don't get me wrong, rhythms, routines, all of that are amazing for children, but sometimes asking ourselves that why. And if the why is for us to question it, But if the why is truly for our child and it's truly in the best interest of the cultivation of the play, then following your mama or your papa gut instinct and going with it. Beautiful. I love how the lens has changed. The definition of play is now something. It's not just like mindless, like entertaining themselves. It's actually they're working on developing their brain, their sense of self, their authentic expression. So it's school. No one wants to interrupt that. That is some (laughs) serious business going on there. So. Give them the space to actually develop that. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Incredible. That was (laughs) such a great episode. I'm so passionate about 
everything you're going on. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And I hope you have inspired our listeners. I know you have, I can feel it. And that concludes our interview today. So we hope that you've enjoyed this episode, everyone listening. If you did, we would really appreciate that you share this episode. It really helps us grow and spread the love and light to other people who may need this conversation. And if you haven't already, would really appreciate a five-star review on iTunes. And yeah, we love you lots and, and hope that you're jumping on the train with us. <laughs> so have an incredible week and we will have you with us next week. Bye for now. Thank you.